What is up, fam? Welcome back to That's the Angle. And in this episode, I am joined with Timmer Tugberg. Timmer is not only a friend, but a freaking genius in the marketing and digital and content marketing world. He uses his deep knowledge of being in the ad world, being, I'm pretty sure, in the real estate world, from what I remember, and has created this company called Designing the District, which has just been killing in Washington, D.C., as far as helping businesses uh, on social media and promote their business and just, I guess, digital marketing. But he does it really cool by using local influencers to do the work because who knows better than them? I don't know. I thought that idea was really cool, but that's not what this whole interview is about. We go deep on a lot of topics. Um, and I just really enjoy talking to Tim and, and or sorry, Timmer and getting his insight and his knowledge on just a lot of issues. Um, overall, just really great conversation. I think you guys are going to love this and find a lot of value in it. I don't know. I did. I enjoyed it. But that being said, guys, uh, if you enjoy this podcast and maybe you don't want to listen, you can go watch on the YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash that's the angle. And honestly, if you want to show love, please show love there because Honestly, that, that's kind of where it counts. Uh, YouTube pays, audio listens don't really pay. And uh, yeah, it'd be nice to make a little extra money this month. Yo boy, help support the channel, help support the podcast, and I will love you forever and keep bringing you awesome interviews. All right, guys, let's get right into this one with Timur Tugberg. That's the angle. What? That's the podcast. What's up, fam? Welcome back to That's the Angle. And this episode, I am joined with Timmer. What's going on, bro? You know, just like chilling, thriving during that quarantine life. Yeah, I was actually really scared to say your last name for a second. It's Tugberk? Tugberk, yeah. In, okay. in, Tur- in Turkish, it's Tubak. There's like a little accent over the G, and it is silent and prolongs the vowel before it. So, ah, Okay, I didn't want to make myself look dumb again. No, no, you good. You good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I got this random energy drink that I've never tried before. So let's get some crack at energy going. And um, I've just been thinking a whole lot about, you know, we're so clearly in just such unique, never before seen times. And, you know, I specifically wanted to have you on the show because you have a very unique perspective on just like the landscape of, of certain things. And I think one of those things is like the influencing and blogger world, because when this whole thing started, I didn't know what direction it would like have for creatives, for freelancers, for bloggers, for influencers. And now that we're, what is that? What are we like three or four months in now? Now all the, all the unemployment, yeah, four months, all the unemployment benefits are actually about the end this month, which I think, you know, and that's not what I'm trying to talk about, but I'm saying like now, now that that's coming to an end, now it's going to get really scarce because we're starting to see the long-term effects of, you know, what this really means. And so I guess it's like, I'm just so curious, like from your perspective, like what has happened to the blogging and to the influencer world? Yeah. Well, a couple things before I answer that. So for everyone's context, number one, this is the first time you and I are actually catching up since other than like DMs on Instagram, like, Hey, how are you? How are you doing? So, um, and we haven't rehearsed any of this and I just want everyone to know that. Um, because like, this is just you and me talking and I love this so much. Um, so to dive into your question, about influencer blogger world. Um, in general, I think it, this is just a, a specific 
question about real-time relevant marketing in 2020. Um, <clears throat> I think this year, is, it, this, this year specifically due to uh, quarantine and corona gave everybody, whatever you do for work, uh, whatever you do with your spare, spare time, free mm -hmm. time, uh, like a moment of reflection and a moment to uh, to like freak out because of the unknown and then regain your sense of self. Some people, some people, and this is just general, we're not talking about influencers just yet. Yeah. Some people like I, I in, interact with many people, even some people, you know, close that are on a completely different wavelength from where I'm at in terms of just how I've tiptoed back into uh, this new normal that I fully embraced. Like the present day is reality. So this is normal. Yeah. You know? right. The new normal is, is it's yeah. It's, it's a good way to put it. The new normal. The, the, the new normal is right now today. Tomorrow is unforeseen and yesterday is the past, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, that I'm saying that because in, in my mind, my approach, I, I did take a moment, <clears throat> like when all this happened, like I, I tried to play it normal at first, like, you know, like, oh, let me like play with these new technologies and uh, do something different so that everyone feels together. But then like, it was a little scary, you know? So I kind yeah. of took a moment to just focus on me and uh, my family. Yeah, I think a lot of people did. Sorry, sorry to cut you off there, but like it, it, that's gonna be a, that's like one difficulty of Zoom convos is like naturally segmenting into conversations. So it's okay if yeah. we interrupt each other a little bit. Yeah, um, no, totally, totally. Uh, yeah, I and this is this is Wiley, by the way. Like I, I think Aww. Zoom protocol uh, permits children and dogs to uh, join the conversation. Um, I'm all for it. I think I think what what happened in uh, my my unique experience was a couple things. Number one, I was freaking out about work and what tomorrow holds. And then, and then at some point I realized like, why are you freaking out? You still have clients. Like we all flew mm. off the cliff. This wasn't, this wasn't 10 years ago when I went through the last recession where like, we didn't have clients. We didn't have work. Like there was no money. There was like every people were healthy, but there was, there was just literally no work to be done. Whereas this time around, yes, there was no work, but it was a forced closure out of our control for literally unseen and unforeseen reasons. You're talking about the last recession? No, I'm talking about this one right yeah, now. Like yeah, this yeah. one, it's like very out of our control. It wasn't human controlled or human error, you know? Yeah. Um, and the economy didn't fall out because of human error. The economy was put on a forced halt because everyone had to go home. So I finally, I fully embraced the fact that I'm like, I have work and like- Well, even then, it, sorry uh, to interrupt, but, but even, even then it's like, it's weird because it's not the entire economy. There's still sectors of it, like the government and everyone who's not creative and freelance and stuff like that, that are still, 100% fine. They've just changed the way they work. You know, like, like they're, they're, just, they're just working from home, but nothing has changed. It's not like an actual recession where everyone suffers across the board. It's like you have this weird yeah. sort of like discrepancies where our freelance photographer is completely fucked and we can curse and say whatever on this, but then totally. someone who works for the government nine to five, is just like, ah, oh, no big deal. I'm just working from home. But Bruce, that's for now. So when I was going through this period in April, 
you know, a lot of what I would talk with my partner about, I'm like, oh, it's so hard. Like, I don't understand why people are not getting it where I'm coming from with my freak out, you know, because they're sitting at home working remotely as if nothing's happening other than quarantine. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of got over the things that I couldn't control, uh, embrace the fact that I still had work and clients, um, recaptured the gusto like now is today and now is the time to not just stop doing what I was doing to help along those I had been contracted to. And of course, love doing what I do. For those of you who don't know me, I, I run yeah. brands, I do brand marketing, I design brands, I, I throw events and parties, I just creative services in the brand development world. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I like, I realized I was actually still doing a little work even in my moment of pause. And then I just picked up the pace. I'm like, you know what? Now's the time to like keep working on those things. Like whether or not you're getting paid, this will, this too shall pass. Yeah. And re regardless, um, those businesses, my clients are specifically lifestyle, you know, restaurants, bars, salons, spas, that's, luxury. That's, in that's interesting Good. that the primary, the primarity of your clients are the people who are hit the hardest, yet you're still doing like, okay. I got, I mean, I got dragged off of this uh, metaphorical, metaphysical cliff for both terms with everyone else, you know, like my uh, designing the district Zeppelin was tethered to these ships that flew off the edge of the flat earth, you know? That's a good way to How, put it. However, my designing the district Zeppelin also prevented these businesses from flying fully off of this earth. Um, Interesting. And um, it was, I, I feel much more actually appreciated by the decision I made to not fully freak out and give up because when people started to come out of the hibernation, I, I really was the first people that my clients called um, to be like, hey, you know, like, okay, we got our PPP or like, we want to talk about like how, you know, we need your ideas or like, how are we going to go about marketing or like, what do you think is safe What's or PPP? what do you think is uh, the personal, uh, the, what's it called? The, the, the loans. The paycheck oh, okay. protection loans, oh, oh, you know, okay, the, okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. the government assisted loans for small businesses, which that, that was not one of them that I qualified for. So, you know, mm -hmm. like many different things. But um, one thing that was recognized was like, you know, of all of our staff and you're not even full time staff, you were the one person that kept doing your job without even having to say anything, you know. And, and, and by so doing your job, that would be like posting on social for them and, and just yeah. continually marking running the social media, like engaging with the owners, being like, hey, how are you? How is everyone? Like, mm. what's going on? Um, you know, like not even talking fully about work, just checking in like a human, you know? That's so um, important during this time was just literally just checking in on people and being like, yo, dude, like, are you okay? Like I had a friend who recently, right before it happened, he quit his full-time job to become a full-time influencer. And I checked on him like a month in, I was like, dude, are you okay? Like, I know you got a fam, like I'm worried about you. And I think yeah. he's handling it well. Yeah, well, you know, like I, just to get more personal, like over my years now, I, I am a very sensitive being. However, the like, the one part of sensitivity, the like boo-hoo factor, woe is me mm -hmm. like i i kind of shed that one like four years ago where i'm like you know what shit happens it's what you 
do with it that yeah. really makes you the person. Um, I was very grateful once the the government assistant stimulus came through, you know, that made me feel like less like a, like, like I'm about to like die. You know what yeah. I mean? All of us. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, my, my work that I was tepidly, but actively still doing uh, was starting to reemerge when, you know, like restaurants were able to do uh, takeout carry out. Like when we were actually about to start walking outside. Um, and also during that period of downtime, April, like April was really the biggest downtime. I loved it, by the way, like loved a little, like, I don't need to post on social media. It, it, I don't need to- like you couldn't, like you couldn't even post if it wasn't like a, like an activist post. So it's like you both, there's nothing you have to post. And if it's not activist or activism, it's like, just don't. So you're literally sitting there like, yeah. what's the point of social right now? Yeah. I also just wasn't in the mood and had nothing, nothing outside of my everyday maintaining my sense of best self and happiness mm -hmm. i have nothing else to fully offer you know um my partner literally had left his job and uh like right before we all had to force closure in march to move up here from miami so in my mind i was like you know what what a great opportunity we're forced to be together to finally living together in a new place new city for him like let's invest that initial time in us you know like what a special gift to be quarantined with what will hopefully and will be my forever plus one, you know? Um, and that's what I chose to focus on. And, you know, that really like, that really like recharged me because I am sensitive, like I told you, and I'm very personal, even when it comes to professional, like I'm very mm. passionate about what I do for a living. Um, I love to create things that bring people together um, to a positively beneficial outcome, which that's how I look at marketing. Like you're not going to catch me taking a job to get a paycheck. You know, mm. you're going to, you're going to, I tend to believe that I pick my clients because I believe in it. And like, I did the whole corporate song and dance. I sipped the other people's Kool-Aid for a long time. And you know what it, it, it taught me? Like, bitch, the only way you're going to really succeed in life is if you do it your way. Like, and you know, I think, I think that's a realization that a lot of people have been, been, not even if they wanted it, they've been stowed at the idea that they have to do it their own way. Because I think, like you said, reflecting during this time is people were like, wait a minute, ain't nothing guaranteed. What do I really want? What am I really doing? People went back and like audited their lives. Like, is, is my gym membership really necessary? Ah, I could go outside. Is this necessary? Do I really need to be going out to eat yeah. so much? Like also, yeah. and then personally, it's like, what do I really like to do? Yeah. And it, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. Well, something about the gym and that, that whole thing. So, and I, I feel bad. I need to like slap myself on the wrist because during that initial part of quarantine, like Eric and I got so good at the, like the Safeway runs and like budgeting. And we were like, shit, we're getting everything we want at Safeway and we're learning to cook. And if we were to do this for a whole year, our total food budget would be 10 grand. That's it. You know, like, whereas I looked at my bank statements from before and I'm like, oh, like, $3,000 on food and beverage recreation a month. Hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? It like adds going up so eat, fast. Uber eats, like all that shit. So we really put austerity and we were like, let's prepare to plan for a full blown worse situation than 10 years ago because we were in the working field, you know, 10 years ago with the yeah. other recession. Um, but also the gym membership thing, like it was nice. I actually got out of debt during Corona because I, I had no expenses, no expenses to pay, you know, other than 
food and rent. So like, I, I didn't go out, no travel. Like, I think, you know, I used to live between here and Miami, like that's done. Like we're taking a full blown break from that jet setting life. Cause like, why I, I, I'm not, I, I literally cannot travel. I, that, that one thing that brings me so much joy is no longer an option, but it also sucked a lot of my income. You know, I was like killing it, but living still paycheck to paycheck because that's like a lifestyle choice. So a lot of positivity came out of this. And with that also came a reduced sense of pressure and stress for how I operate my business. I have, an, mm. I have agency experience and I have corporate experience. So like you really like are on top of your fucking shit all the time and everything is urgent and everything is like, putting a fire out in that environment. So I kind of cut that out, especially after my clients started to come back and we're like, we're looking to you to like really help us. And we really appreciate this. And you're the first person yeah. that we're calling to like figure this shit out. It seems like you have more time now too. Like, like because you're not flying, because you're not doing all those other things, you probably have more energy and more time to put into your clients, which and more money to invest in yourself. So it's like, now you're sitting here like, Ooh, like let me focus on myself and in the localization, I guess of it and, and go yeah. forward like that. Yeah. Well, that's the first part of the quarantine. Then came May when uh, the disaster assistance loan for my business came into play, which mm -hmm. was pay off your business debts and uh, reinvest in your staff. Um, so once, once my clients reached out to me um, and that came in, like the first thing I did was like, I called Shell and I called Courtney and I was like, we're back in business y'all. Like, you know, this, this ship is not gonna float just one. We're in this together, you know? And, and Shell, and this is a random sign but Shell's the whole reason why I knew you were such a badass because I had just met you at that throw social event. Were you involved with the marketing behind that? Or Hold no? on, let me, let me be clear about why you know I'm a badass because I served your ass on a platter throwing ass. Wow. Time out, time out. Okay, I'm going to have to concede that out for, for, <laughs> for two people who didn't know how to throw an axe, you did <laughs> whip my ass on that one. I was pretty embarrassed. Um, but that, um, you know, Shell, Shell's, a, Shell's an old friend of mine that we met through the Blago influencer sphere. Um, Shell's also like this amazing kind soul and energy that like, I'm like a hard ass Northeast Coast, like media PR Samantha Jones bitch, but I'm nice. But like, I know my delivery can come off like pew, pew, pew. And like, no matter what, Shell, like Wonder Woman's like pew, 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 pew. And so like, um, and on top of that, she's amazingly talented and extremely professional. And I was like, perfect fit for designing the district. You, you're exactly what, what we need to like keep my, uh, you know, a little bit like softer. And, uh, that's so funny because I never got that vibe from you when I, when I met you I was like oh like this is like I was like I was like oh Timur's a really nice guy like really outgoing and really like sort of just like like in the ethos and so I, maybe I just didn't get like that impression of you but then we were talking well that wasn't it wasn't work I wasn't associated we were, with social yeah. I flew in I flew in that day to attend this party and I I like overlapped it with a media shoot I was doing to launch the new box on U Street. Mm. So I had a I was filming a commercial. So I was in DC for less than twenty four hours, like bing bang boom done. I was so excited to be back from Miami, even though like I love my Miami, but you know, like a cool axe throwing. And this was the like first time you and I actually hung out properly mm. in person, not like adjacent at a yeah. event, you know.
Yeah, well, what I was going to say was that like, like I would just off the impression I got of you, I would, I never would have thought you were some social media marketing branding badass. Like I would, I, I like no offense or anything, but I wouldn't, I did not get that impression. So when I found out, I was like, I was like, fuck yes. Because I love when I meet someone and you, you can't, read them entirely because I, I love to like read people and think I can figure them out when I meet them. And I thought you're a cool guy. But I was like, ah, oh, he probably is just like some influencer, some blogger, like another one of Shell's friends. But then I was like, wait a minute, Shell works for him. Like this guy has like this amazing company where he's helping DC. And I was like, I love that because it's like, it's like what you present is really cool. But then underneath it's like badass, like a, like a, like a, Thank I you. don't know, like a, like a Miata with a Porsche engine, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. Totally, totally. <laughs> I, um, my, my public career started wrapped around me and my personality and my name. And then it got a little too much for me. Like just, it was too much in my twenties. It was like, and this was well before social media was an accepted thing. So it was like, like, like fake celebrityism a little bit back in the days, you know, in DC. So I like left really? to, I, it just like, it, you know, I was throwing big parties. People knew me from all over. I was in Washingtonian and in all these newspapers before, like Facebook was a thing, but it wasn't like this mega business marketing tool. You know, mm. I used it, I used it that way, but it wasn't that case. So like, and all I really wanted to do was like, I just wanted to have like a normal life where like I could go out and like meet guys that weren't like, oh, you're too So I moved to the West Coast. <laughs> Oh, you, know, you, I mean, you kind of were like the uh, the Great Gatsby of DC, I guess, back then. Like in like a very, very, for like the uh, analogy term, yes, but very different. You know, it's I a, wasn't it's a like, Tim Moore party. Ooh, like oh, like the whole gay scene like knows you. It's like oh, you're the fun guy. It's like that's the, exactly what it was. So there was no like there was like this guy, but not like the normal guy. So I left for California for many years. I learned a lot of like interesting lessons about myself my career exploded like I did exactly what I planned to do like do great things change the world and I did I changed many people's worlds over there but it was also through that experience that I was like uh okay fuck this like why am I letting money lead me to like my joy it just was not the case um and I came back home to DC to start over and one thing that I decided was like I need to rebrand my business and remove my name out of it because like, I want my work to speak for itself. I don't want my name, you know, when you, um, went, so to the, the, when you went to the West coast, and sorry to cut off, when you went to West coast, were you working at an ad and media PR agency then? And then you came to DC and started it or what was that? Like, and when so did you make that I, leap? So I started living in California when I was actually working in healthcare IT. Um, that oh. is that my like, really first corporate marketing job. And I went for something that I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Corporate, cubicle, like Chinese owned and operated, but American tech and healthcare. Um, this was right when the recession was, you know, everyone was crawling out of it. And I just didn't want to go to grad school. You know, like, I'm like, I have so many loans already. Like, why do I want to go to grad school? I'd rather learn through experience. Um, I was traveling a lot for that work and that's when I like really found home in San Francisco and they, uh, I was traveling so much. I was never in the office and I proposed to them. I'm like, may I just make the West coast office, which was in Arizona, my base. Cause I want to be living in San Francisco. They said, no, I quit. Two weeks later, I reached out to like the owner of a really badass creative agency here on 14th street. It was like, he actually linked in with me and I just kind of planted the seed that I, looked up to them for many years and I'd love to come in and learn more about their business and chat. 
And during that chat, I, I presented to them my vision of me mm -hmm. and where I want to go, but how I would do that helping them, which was to uh, build a marketing department within their creative agency and make it scalable and that I wanted to be based in San Francisco, get clients here and open an office out West. And they were like, they were like, well, we can do this, this, and this. Why don't you prove it? You know? And I was like, okay. So I just had to figure out how to become a director of marketing for a creative agency, like real fast, taking my corporate experience and like all this and like and package it in this marketing machine. And I bugged out West. I did that for a while with them. And then, um, I got approached by a dream job in real estate development to like help culturally engineer an urban renewal project like Tyson's Corner, but in San Francisco, you know how they're like redoing the whole landscape and philosophy. Mm -hmm. And that was like my passion. Like I love people. I love uh, curating lifestyle and I love like helping to design better, best lives for people. I feel like you just uh, threw a, I feel like you just threw a whole bunch in my mind and, and I'm just trying to decipher this. So wait a minute, you went from the West coast to here to this creative agency, which is like, just cool. I love creative agencies. Like it just seems like such a fun at like ad PR marketing job. And you proposed to them that you wanted to start a sub company with them that helps brands. Like, I'm kind of so, so they they only offered they're, they're DC based they're DC New York based and they only offered creative services graphic design web design presentation design mm -hmm. um, as as coming from in-house in corporate um, I had partnered many times with agencies of the sort um, oh, to help support okay. our mark to help support our marketing initiatives but I was running the marketing side of it all so I was directing creative agencies and then I, we would need marketing support. Many of these agencies had no marketing bandwidth. So I'm like, let me approach some uh, agency that I really would love to work for. And let me tell them I will become their marketing component because that sells in complement with graphic design, web design. And, they that, have, and then that way you're not under the foot of a nine to five what, well, nine to five office it's, an agent, it's an agency. It's, it was nine to five, but you know. But the culture, the like, culture's different. The culture's different. It's, it's seven days a week. It's fun. It's whimsical. It's fast paced. You know, it is agency life is what set the precedence, I think, for what we call the gig economy now. But mm. that also helped me like I was I was I was running a lot of things for them. And then I was also building business. And like, my boss was 20 years my senior. So I learned a lot from that. Um, and then one reason why I was approached in when I was full time at this point, running the West Coast office of this agency in San Francisco. One of the reasons why I was approached by a large uh, real estate investment trust to spearhead this is I did have personal real estate development experience in my background and I landed a huge project for what was my current job, the DC based agency to help design the Capitol Riverfront uh, Navy Yard neighborhood. Um, and it was great. We landed Whoa. an awesome contract. Yeah, it's cool because that's actually a one huge of my, contract. That's one of the biggest like urban developments in a long time. One of my clients is in the building. Uh, Dacha Navy Yard is is actually one of the, is in one of the retail spaces of the Dock Seventy Nine project, which anchored this whole development plan um, of of this brand that I helped develop with MRP. And uh, it's so funny that I'm now working as part of what the intent was targeted to attract you know uh i mm. and uh this age group like at the, that time millennial wasn't really a term but 
affluent millennial targeted lifestyle experience. And well, definitely uh, has that vibe. That's for sure. I'll tell you what, my, my cheap ass ain't going to eat dinner. <laughs> well, hey, you can, you know, it's not actually expensive and I'm sure you can. Uh, you real quick, and, and sorry to cut you off, but real quick for people listening, if you're not from DC, essentially this project that uh, Timur was involved in, and I'm going to try and sum up, please fill in the holes are wrong. Uh, there's this part of DC that's along the river. I think it's the Potomac or something like that. And Anacostia waterfront. Yeah, Anacostia waterfront. And along this river, there was just a wharf. And there were like a few big restaurants, but it was kind of like a nostalgia thing. Like they had Phillips Seafood Restaurant. And the big thing was this sort of small open air fish market. And that was really, it It wasn't glorious. Hold on, it was, time out. You're talking about the wharf. I'm talking about Navy Yard. What's the difference? Navy Yard. So Navy Yard is by Nats Park. Navy Yard is where... Oh, um, see, I'm glad we cleared that up. Navy, okay, yeah, I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. Navy, yeah, Navy so, Yard's... Okay, so okay. That area, I'm talking about the wharf, sorry, yeah. For, for context, they're adjacent. They're like a triangle, but one is over here, which not a poor description what you were saying. That side of the Anacostia waterfront actually was home to naval offices and civilian naval adjacent. There were warehouses. There were like industrial warehouses for things like salt for snow, um, and there were clubs, like nightclubs. It was, you know, like yeah, over that, that there. Was, that was that whole Navy Yard section because I grew up around DC and that Navy Yard section was literally just like, you go to the ballpark and you leave. But it, yeah. there, it wasn't like you go to live there or go to experience culture or anything like that. Yeah. It was mostly just, like you said, warehouses and a ballpark. The ballpark didn't come and open until 2005. And like my early clubbing days in DC, 1999, 2000, over there in like the dangerous hood, which- Yeah, it was dangerous. Yeah, which is now like luxury apartments. You know, it's, um, we could get into a whole nother conversation about gentrification and like now in 2020, like, you know, it's definitely a huge point of topic, learning everything about redlining through um, what has been reawoken from this current Black Lives Matter movement. Um, it's a give or take type type topic. Um, and that was also part of the reason why I left working in real estate development, to be honest, in San Francisco. I was chasing money. Really? And what I was trying to do was take the best interest of the people and really build something special around what they needed. And I kept getting knocked off my pedestal um, for that because it wasn't profitable. And that wasn't something that jived well with me. And I made the decision, I'm like, I would rather be happy than rich, you know? Interesting. So it's very, that's it's very noble. When I well, but it's true. I was working my ass off to like get this. They were dangling this quarter million dollar bonus. It's like production uh, production for like revenues. Basically what we were doing is we were renovating existing old properties, raising the rent from like $900 a month and their rent control to like $4,000 a month. And I was like, this is great. What an awesome way to make money. And like my marketing programs will attract the affluent tech millennials to get here. And then I realized like, shit, I'm part of, I'm a part of the problem. How does so that was, work? How do you, how do you get someone out of a rent controlled place? Like, how do you like convince them to leave? Well, what you do is you start transforming the available places. You update the property. If you have the ability to update property and landscape, then you're able to change what was once this grandfathered experience it's kind of like a new property and then you know when you change the culture to something else as well sometimes it doesn't fit very well with who exists in that area um and then sometimes people are offered money to leave you know so that that wasn't part of what i was doing i was just the creative little fairy coming in to sprinkle like energy centers in the in the neighborhood and like 
come up with community gardens and th I threw state fair and like Halloween festivals for the children. And I started this thing called Senior Social Hour because we had a huge rent controlled senior community there. And I'm like, they need to be engaged with, you know, and that they my the superiors at this job, they very much appreciated that. But at the end of the day, you know, they were like, to more we need these like we need like the Google campus to come here to pilot their techs and we need all this Volvo contract that we're working on to study autonomous drive here. And we want these people living here and we want these people paying this much money, which was great. I was doing would great. It, for would it be, would it be like per building or would it be like per like a, like an area that, that they'd want to transform? The whole, so this, the, this unique part of this neighborhood specifically 161 acres in San Francisco proper was the largest privately owned neighborhood in the country so it was a post-war community that was designed to like uh for around that vehicle you know um san francisco address but it was a curated community imagine um like if the walter reed campus by silver spring because that's like a campus was much more massive and was a place for people to live not for medical but you know how it doesn't fit in the grid, like it had its own shtick? Yeah, it's kind of know? like a weird little island amongst everything else. Exactly. So this neighborhood in San Francisco, uh, well, one thing we were doing, we were reurbanizing, so re-implementing the cohesion of the grid. We were rerouting uh, public transit, the streetcar, through the neighborhood, um, rather than adjacent to it on the main avenue. We were, we owned the buildings and the garden apartments. We owned the land. So we were renovating the buildings. We were, we were also developing the land, building 17 new towers. Um, Cause there was a lot of green space that we had the ability to, you know, do what mm -hmm. we wanted with. And this is San Francisco. It's still the wild West and living on the West coast, like taught me a lot about the difference in East West coast culture and, uh, me choosing to partake in the the gold rush economy, if you will, this real estate taught Especially me a lot in about San Fran. Well, I mean, it's like it just brought to life a lot of what we learned in history and how that culture is still present today. You know, this what gold rush mentality. You people like come there, wild west, not many rules. People come there to chase their dreams, this California dream, which in in San Francisco terms, think about it: tech, real estate, money. You know, gold, money. Um, it's just like, it kind of, I felt like I was ejected out of San Francisco because after four years, I was like, no, you know what I mean? Like I came here for like the faggotry and the whimsy and like the hippiness. I did, I did. Um, and so, and this is a very long winded point, but like what that taught me was like, I, uh, I can do great things um, and I don't need my name to like precede that. Um, and my hometown after having four years of like, cultivated i worked really hard to cultivate experience in my throughout my 20s i caught up with corporate tenure that i never had because the recession threw me a wild card you know what i mean i chased i chased a knowledge base that i knew i would need to set myself up for future success right now i'm in the midpoint of my of my sort of professional journey how i've designed it i would love to be retired at 45 like mm. done so like the move the reason, the reason why I kind of pride into the whole gentrification thing is because I've talked about it a few times on the podcast, but I'm, I'm, it, since you're someone who kind of worked inside of it, I've always been curious of just how that chokehold worked, you know, like just yeah. exactly what developments and what ways that chokehold yeah. worked because I've talked with people in DC and people have their opinions, but no one knows exactly how it works. And I've heard like a couple things, but yeah. it's interesting to hear like you just slowly start implementing like the culture into it and you 
then you add things that may not jive and cohese with the people that live there. And then it, it makes them want to leave. And then like the last few people are left and you're like, Oh, here's some money to get the heck out. And then it's, it's like, not that it's not that it makes them want to leave, but like, you know, think about it, how, how people are like, we don't want change. We don't want change. We don't want big box. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. a lot of people, whether you're part of that OG community that's being gentrified or not, you know, you grew up around DC. So did I, like, I didn't, I didn't really want like, uh, I'm a, borders books to like come to georgetown you know what i mean even though i didn't live in georgetown like and it was a barnes and noble but whatever um but i'm gonna bring it full circle back to like the point about like survive surf thriving during this pandemic so like gentrification just like any type of creative service or marketing is the way that i look at it and the way that i approach it in my philosophy of work is reverse engineering and outcome um and like creative services or marketing services truly take like articulate detail oriented thought strategy and calculation. Um, in order to build a skyscraper, you need to know every nut and bolt, not only of the structure, but the landscape in which you're building it and the environ and how that climate and the surrounding structures implicate, imply that building, you know? So, um, you talk like such a marketer. Sorry, you talk like such a marketer. Like, like you're, you're, you're like lingo and your linguistics. It's like, it's, you've been in the shits. I can tell like you, you have this finesse about how you like, oh my God. like, like talk about things. It's just like, it's like my, it's my life's work. It's so crazy that I'm becoming my parents at 36 years old. I'm like, <laughs> like, what the hell? Where, where did this happen? Where like, I actually do what I love for my, for a living. Like That's what amazing. the fuck? Um, and I don't mean to regurgitate buzzwords and I don't mean to throw anyone curveballs. So I'll try to like minimize those. Um, but with gentrification, think about it. Like think about Navy Yard, for example. We, DC made the decision to invest in bringing baseball back to the city, um, mm-hmm. which is a greater cultural implication than just one neighborhood could define. You know, that really shifts the 7 million people that live around here's mindset because we're going to capture a lot of attention and focus it inward with something that we can have civic pride. So let's build something that can accommodate this. So we look for areas that can physically accommodate it, afford it, and, and can contribute to the adjacent future growth that that would bring. Um, a stadium, you can't just plop a stadium down like in the 20th century model outside of the city um, because people want food, they want beverage, they want access, like transit, for example. FedEx Field is like, that's a fucking joke. Like getting out there, like you have to get in your it car. It is, it's a pain they ask and to get out there. Like, like how, like, so, so how is this going to be for all? So many people don't have a car and what are you going to take a fucking bus that takes an hour and a half? Like, you know, so you, you really have to think about these things. And obviously at that time, the city was off limit in the late 20th century because the city was in shambles after race riots and this like last century's version of what we're going through now, which is totally different, um, but the same story, which is uh, depressing and sickening, to be honest. Our generation needs to, you know, chop chop with this one. But um, So you're saying like, the city, the city essentially was like, we want to revive Navy Yard. Let's put a stadium there, and then and then that'll be the starting point, the impetus like, for everything else. Like Amazon did with vetting its HQ two different areas and developers, which hold claims to land, will propose to the city, and the best plan wins. 
and the best for the city's checkbook wins and the best thing that will serve the city's community will win. Um, mm. This is like, this is a great relevant, um, many people followed the whole Jeff Bezos Amazon betting process for two years of cities to bring yeah, Amazon too. Yeah. It's just like that, you know, and you saw so many developers and municipalities coming together to design the future of how this very important tech company will thrive beyond today you know he, he did choose um, dc right or crystal city yeah crystal city i mean and, and like it, from for me having this experience from the beginning i was like dc is a no-brainer it's a no-brainer this city is already gentrified so things aren't gonna skyrocket above like the, the ship has sailed with dc there's very few areas which haven't been affected by uh commercial development if you will True. and uh one thing that really catapulted this was the MCI Center, which is now Capital One Arena, and the baseball stadium, you know? And sports is, a, sports is for all, and it's an easy way to get an, a neighborhood to develop, redevelop. Well, because well that's, 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 uh, no, that's, uh, that's an opinion, because by putting a baseball field in the middle of like a black neighborhood, I, I can't speak for black people, but I would think black people aren't generally baseball fans. That's mostly like a white people thing. Understood. And I was saying in a more general context, mm -hmm. think of the greater, greater population. It's sports is a very simple thing for people to embrace. It's an attraction. You know? Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's, it's Yeah. And, and also a stadium is not only one sports team, concerts, you know, true, it's festivals and whatnot. So, and by the way, like, I'm also not this, I'm not this pro gentrification guy. I'm just sharing you my oh, no, experience. No, we're just talking yeah. about it in general. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not, it's I'm just, neither it's some like. I, yeah, it's knowledge I've gained through working in it. Not like I didn't write the book and I didn't study this. So, um, it, but it, also, and, and real quick, real quick, just record. I'm not some guy who's like, fuck gentrification or on the other side, I, I'm just trying to understand it, you know? Yeah, totally. And this is, this is just how I understand it um, yeah. through, but that's all. So, and also keep in mind that um, the neighborhood that the baseball stadium was put into was not necessarily a black neighborhood. Uh, that Navy Yard area was actually a lot of vacant structures. Um, it was a depressed waterfront, which you call the wharf, you know, over there. Yeah, it and was the, sad. And the Navy Yard itself was also a depressed waterfront. There was no residential and no commercial. Um, the neighborhood needed a revival, and this I Dead. this I actually do agree with. I loved coming to like the gay strip clubs and the nightclubs and the raves down there. Trust me, like that. You know, this isn't the first time I had green hair. Like, there's a reason why I started throwing parties in D.C. I, I learned from the best, you know. Um, but this this brought life to the neighborhood. It brought business. It brought interest. Navy Yard is now looked upon as as one of the most attractive neighborhoods in the United States to live in, and, and it's quite wow. an example. And I, I wasn't part of the full design of that. I worked specifically on Capitol Riverfront in this Dock 79 Frederick Douglass Bridge area, which now Dacha Navy Yard happens to situate where I also now work. So um, to make the point back to your beginning point, um, I, I feel during this pandemic, I needed to have a freak out moment just like everyone else did. And like, Still, I, I don't feel I have roving freakouts anymore, but sometimes it just, you know, it's frustrating because I would like to return to 2019. It was a great year for me uh, personally. And um, without, without a plan and without a purpose, it's really hard to get yourself to like free yourselves from the clenches of uncontrollable 
normalcy, which is mm-hmm. today. Um, during that April period, Bruce, like I actually did, I'm like, who is designing the district? What do we do? How can we help? How, what are we great at? You know, creativity, reinvention, all loyalty. These are all things that we're good at. Stay true to my clients, came right back to me. Amped up, amped up my team and like, you know what? Like, even though we're, we're not making the money we were before, I'm okay with that. Not everyone is making the money and hard work really does pay off and things do change. So like one thing I did was I made sure to like chop any perceived ego that I had before she came to be. You know, yeah, like, I think a lot of people have had to chop their egos down amidst all this and do jobs and do things they've nev- they didn't see themselves doing in 2019 or wouldn't or would or their pride wouldn't let them do in 2019. And that's part of that like now is normal mm-hmm. mindset, you know. Um, I applaud people that are holding strong to their core brand values and their media kits and price kits. Good for you. <laughs> Go after what you know your value is. I know where my value is and I feel that this fairness is exactly where my value is right now. That's who I am as a person. You know, I, I learned the last time in the recession, it was really fucking shitty to not have a job for over a year and have to lean on my parents. You know, thankfully I had my parents to lean on so many of our generation did not. Um, so, and one thing that I've embraced now was like, look, like, be safe, be mindful, be compassionate. But when you can work, and this is for everyone watching, listening and in the room and in your room or us too, who have the dog right here, do it, do your job, get paid. Don't be an idiot. Don't waste your money on stuff right now. We may be shuttered in place for longer in the winter. We may not. More people might be getting sick. More of our friends might be getting sick. More of our friends might be dying. This year could be more sad or this year could get better. There could be a vaccine. These are all things though that with, with proper planning, you know, from my well, perspective. I, I think we're learning is that things can change so fast. Literally tomorrow, some company could come out and be like, we found a perfect vaccine. And then uh, another month happens and they make enough of it. And then everything gets back to normal or not back to normal, but, uh, but back to the new normal, right? Yeah, yeah. In, in, it's made everyone sort of this like career acrobat and how you're going to adjust. And one of the things that like I've really, I am keep my eyes on and seeing is specifically like the food and service industry and especially how the food industry is changing amidst all this, which I think is just nuts. It's like now, now everyone's embracing these like patios and these outdoor events. And then now people are like drinking on the streets, which is fascinating. And I can imagine that. Which is amazing. Which is amazing. Which, which feels normal yes. and, and fun as hell. Yeah, well, for the re- also for the record, like, I'm sober, I don't drink, but, like, the, I, I love this for business, and I love this yeah. for our culture and community. I don't think people are acting a fool right now. This isn't, like, Bourbon Street. It's just, it's normal people getting their drink on, walking home, going to the park, like in Europe, like, a functional, comparable place. I love it. I also agree with you with the food and beverage industry. I didn't really realize before this pandemic how much I work in the restaurant industry. Like, I'm like, shit, like, I might not be a waiter, but I definitely work in the restaurant industry, you know? Yeah, a lot of your clients are based just from what I can see. Yeah, and they've, they're finally embracing creativity, and I love it. You know, it's like, we got to be That's creative. interesting perspective. They have to be creative now. Yeah. And I love that. I love that people are like, what the fuck do we do? And I'm like, 
this is what we do. Let's do it. You know, and people, people, the consumer love it, you know? And like, can I ask this? Sorry. sorry, I I was just saying, like, I find myself often with my, my, my role within, within organizations. Um, Internally, I find myself the translator and mediator between staff and ownership. But then also my role is I have to translate just like in the real estate development, Mm -hmm. the audience to the ownership. And I have to take everyone's best intention and best will and really filter that into something healthy, productive, profitable in some cases when we're talking profit um, and enriching. And it feels right now, it feels for me um, Mm -hmm. like, like my, my, my ear and my voice is being very valued and I am absolutely warp speeding the engines at designing the district. We just added a new teammate because um, we're expanding right now. Um, we're taking new clients even you're at a lower. You're expanding right now. Miss Alice, you're expanding. Well, in my approach, it's like, you know, right now is the time to work. We're alive. We're young. We're healthy. We have the energy. Even without the pandemic, my, like I told you, Bruce, my plan's to retire in less than 10 years. So like, as long as I have this crazy energy to get shit done, I'm, I'm going to try to get it done. So how are, how are you adapting like your, I guess since food is a big part of what you do and like what I think a lot of listeners might know is how are you adapting your marketing agency? Is marketing agency the right term or creative, creative sure, consulting agency? Sure. I mean, we are a creative consultancy. We're okay. a brand marketing agency. We're an ideas agency, mm-hmm. you know, like. So how are you, how are you shifting that with the new normal? Like what is, like specifically, like, like how are you using and, and to offshoot of that, I love your use of bloggers and influencers because they know like th- if there is something that I specifically noticed, I was like, I love how Timmer utilizes local influencers and local bloggers as part of his marketing strategy, which I think is genius. Um, but yeah, like, how are you like adapting everything now? Now that restaurants are kind of in this position where they can't just rely on what was working, they have to shift and be creative. Like what's, yeah. what's the ideas, what's the thoughts of how they can still be profitable and, and still have yeah. like, the new, yeah. new, new. Well, one thing that I attribute my mindset to is like, I actually did have to figure out how to do shit on my own during the last recession started my business in 2005 before the recession even was a thing promoting wow. you know promoting things so whatever that is pr in blogging influencing the term wasn't the same back in the day um i i had i always had a full-time side hustle until i finally left that real estate job in san francisco four years ago which i was like why is this my full-time side hustle i can do it myself you know all the time um but during the last recession you know you had to quickly pivot to figure the need and demand out and satisfy that from both the consumer end and the business end. So like being able to like get over yourself and get over what you were just recently good at to like totally flip it and change it. So one thing, one thing for certain is to be a successful marketer, in my opinion, you really do have to be plugged into real life, real time happenings. Like Mm -hmm. what's going on? People don't have money. People that do have money need to spend it really wisely. So don't just go after a paycheck, go after things that like, you know, you can kill it, you know, like be confident in what you're good at killing it. Back to your point about influencers and bloggers. I, the reason I chose designing the district as my business name is 
you know, I, I had, I was coming from a role that I actually was designing a district, like a whole neighborhood. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm from this area, the district. I was born in DC, grew up in Maryland. I bought my first condo in Arlington. So I have like a full blown DMV situation, you know, just test drive all the area out, know what I'm talking about when it comes to this local area. Um, and also it's like a little bit of the talent nature. I have this really, it, again, like not on any high horse and not no ego right now, but I have a very interesting background at our age group, being an older millennial to have gone through pioneering this type of like gig side hustle economy before it was even a thing and using yeah. social media as a business marketing tool before they offered business marketing tools in social media, you know? So like I kind of unraveled the puzzle early on um, and I used a lot of my promotional event, promotional experience to help drive businesses, business, you know, business to businesses during the last recession. Um, and I also used my social media popularity via Facebook back in those days because I was a party promoter. I, my friend list filled out like bam fast because I was like the cool party guy, you know. And on top of it, like I was the wildly flamboyant gay guy in the regular social scene here in DC. So people knew me. Um, bloggers and influencers do the same shit I did 10, 15 years ago, just on a different platform application. And yeah. to me, having that experience and being now considered one myself um, in these today's terms, I love to embrace in proven hardworking talent that can also hit multiple birds with one stone benefiting everyone, you know? I had no idea. I totally thought, I totally thought you were like blogger influencer first and then business second. I had no idea. One that you had so much experience. I thought you were a lot younger than you were because you look a lot younger. So it's like, oh, that's the experience. Hey man, you know, it's like, but like, it's, 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 it's really interesting that, uh, you have that early influencer experience and you're mixing that with the new people now as sort of like, and helping guide them and helping guide the new sort of like economy of creative influencing. And, and for the record, remember I hit, I hit hard pause on like Timor Inc. When I moved to the West coast, I moved to the West coast to become like, just like a normal crunchy hipster. You know what I mean? Like, like go, go like, like me, maybe like do a little mushroom in a park type thing and like wear wigs all the time and like just not give a fuck about like perceived appearances and like do a normal, to have a corporate job that's creative and whatever. Um, I came back to a new landscape in DC. Like I kind of gave up my throne, my queendom, if you will. And I had, a, there was a new crowd of people creating and they embraced me and they taught me a lot of the first initial years back home about this new type of engagement style, which I really appreciate. I look at all my peers as equals, um, the Shells, the Romans. R Roman just joined our team. I'm just giving you oh, some he context. He's a yeah, new, he's yeah. new person? Yeah, Roman's the, the, the new, the new uh, big guns on, on the oh, team. I love Roman. He's awesome. I love Roman. And like, Sharp we, all have, we all have unique and different experience, but something that it, we have in common is we're hardworking and we're creative and professional. You but know. that, but that specifically is something that I think is interesting about what you do with Design District is instead of hiring some twenty-three-year-old person out of coming from VCU who just got their advertising degree, you're instead of doing that, you're hiring local influencers who are already plugged in, who already may have done these accounts, but now they're doing it still in their own way, 
but under de designing the district, which I thought was a neat, unique twist. Yeah, yeah. You know, when when I work with with Shell and Roman and all the other creatives that I work with, whether it's on a contract or more full time, um, one thing we like to do first and foremost is like, tell me what you love to do. Tell me what you're most proud of. Tell me what you uh, thrive doing, and then also tell me what you want to learn. You know, because like I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna tell you, Bruce, let's say you're, you're joining the designing the district team. This is not your role. Do it. No, you tell me what your role is. You know, tell me what you can do. Tell me how you can thrive in this environment. And then tell me what you want to do that you don't know to do, you know, because I can bring you into these larger type of, let's call it collaborations to keep the influencer term going, but they're marketing retainers, you know, running corporate brands, like, that's yeah. a little bit bigger than a, than a, you know, paid post partnership type thing. It's, it's way bigger. And it's, you know, it's, it's, you commit longer tenure. So like you get really embedded authentically in the product that you're selling. And that's also one thing when I do like paid partnerships, like most of the time, these paid partnerships, I can't just say yes to a paid Instagram post. That's not reality for me. That's not you what know? you do. You operate on such a higher level. It's, I, I really would like to create a, a contextual relationship with the audience so that I can be authentic when I am recommending a product. You know, like throwing throwing a thousand or two thousand dollars my way, that, that will get a short term project that you will get in my blog or on a Facebook Live and a newsletter and in my stories multiple times and a post in order to develop context and watch me evolve to really learn what I'm talking about, you know? Mm. And like, that is how I like to sell to you. Um, I like to actually know what I'm talking about. I like to know through experience what I'm selling to you. And if that's how you want to follow me and buy into what I share and look, I share a lot more than just sell, sell, sell. Like I'm just doing my life and these things that I sell happen to fit in that, you know? It kind of seems like instead of a company like, like Dasha, which I know is one of your clients, if you're okay to talk about, like instead of them just hiring a bunch of influencers over and over again for whatever their marketing guy is, it's like you come along and you're like, hey, I run a whole marketing, I guess, creative company and I will handle all of this for you and I will hire those influencers and they work for me already as opposed to these influencers getting like one-off gigs of how they were like sort of surviving before, which in a sense, it kind of like hurts like a blogger's influencers but at the same time like that original question i asked you which may have just been way too heady uh like it it's oops. sorry are you there like, like yeah like it's there? it's like my mom it's was like, calling it's like the the blogger and influencer economy is shifting um, yes and no. So one thing, again, like in the way that I do my business, um, is, is unique in and of itself and everyone's business is different. And like, I, I see projects with like more proper PR agencies or marketing agencies. And I'm like, Oh God, I would love to have all that and blah, 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 blah. Trust me. Like, you know, it's not like mm -hmm. yay, yay me or whatever. One thing, my really good friend, Dr. Alex Naimi, um, she's my dentist and a very good friend. And she helped me through the last recession. Like, I helped her with social media for her dental practice and through some like Botox and teeth whitening events to like get new clients in there. And I did her front desk. Um, but one thing she taught me, uh, and she's like 10 years older than me ish, give or take. She taught me in the break room at her dental practice during this recession, we were having like McDonald's or whatever shit we could afford for lunch. 
um, she was like, Timor, one thing that I've learned in business is that um, you tend to do business with your friends. And what we say is we like to spread the money around the table. And that really always resonated with me. It's like, yeah, like spread the money amongst fam. And like the stronger the fam, like the more in the monetary sense, like the more profitable and enriched you'll feel because everyone's happy and you know your customer and your customer knows you and you buy them and they buy you. So when I invest in talent and creatives, and this isn't just bloggers, influencers, I also would like to say that like, I, I am a huge LGBTQ advocate. I will always put my community as a priority and I will always make sure no matter what, whatever it's a marketing thing, a brand thing or a personal thing that my community is considered and that my community is taken seriously and that my community is a part of an execution because um, you don't think we're not the LGBTQ community is taken seriously. Um, you know, like Pride Month just happened and all these brands come out of the woodwork to do like, oh, we're running a Pride promotion. I'm like, okay, and what about July, August, September, October, November? Oh, it's like you're looking you know? for like the look, the, the yeah, social well, look. Look, we're well, allies. And also like, who else are you working with? Oh, oh, I'm the only one that you know in this area. Well, hold on. Here's a list of people that I would like you to hire that work in our community. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, here are some great people. And I, I, like to, I like to invest in talent for the communities that I participate. I, I will frequently hire drag performers, uh, LGBT DJs, you know what I mean? Other LGBTQIA creatives, if you will. I will embrace the LGBT uh, social media. You know, it's, in, in DC specifically, it's not as strong as in like New York or San Francisco or LA. Like there aren't many other Timors here which is sad, but if I can sure. find them, I'm going to support them and I'm going to lift them up, you know? Mm. Um, and same with the, just anyone out of my own, my own community, you know, I like to support us. And um, I think I also believe in effective, efficient work. And if you can like knock out like five birds with one stone, like that's in a, let's put on like the Republican business mindset here, you know, work, work smarter, not harder, make more money. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's, that's so weird that there has to be a Republican business mindset. That should just be the mindset is work smarter, not harder. Well, I get it. But, you know, like sometimes people use uh, that money as ambition, as a Republican allocation. And like, I'm just saying, like, if, if, you can, if you can push one button and get six things done and you're mm -hmm. making that same salary and you can go play tennis the rest of the day, like, go for you. You know what I mean? So um, think, think about it from a business standpoint. I, I need people that are capable of producing quality, engaging content to tell a product and consumer story um, in multiple applications. Who else is better to do that than someone that mastered the platform for themselves and on behalf of others? Like, like someone like Roman who was already doing stuff for men's, men's companies and restaurants. Or, or like Shell. Or Shell, who is one or of the- Or me. The, yeah, or you. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm just using that as an example. Um, yeah. but then also just to get more granular, yeah. I will always and based on these one-off engagements with our community as well. And I will always vouch for hyper-local targeted marketing because right now specifically, like I told one of my clients yesterday, oh, that's all you can do. Well, they have very sparse marketing budget now. And I said, now's the time you need to be investing in partnerships because you don't have a big enough audience to carry you through this economic dip, but they do. 
Oh, you know? I see. So that seems like a lot of advice you'd probably be giving your clients. It's like, hey, we need to do strategic creative partnerships so that you can use each other for. Like, yeah. Why are we, why would we spin our wheels in the mud to build our own audience when we can pay people that have spent their life building an engaged audience to help us out? You know, in the form um, of like other influencers or just other businesses, other influencers. Absolutely. You know, other influencers, other media platforms, you know, like our, our generation is happy to trade product and barter and also barter and trade for in let's talk Republican business mindset again here, like in smaller, smaller financial implication, you know, mm. hiring a brand, like let's say me to run your brand marketing uh, is more expensive than, let's say, hiring a few people to promote your product. It doesn't have the longer term tenure cling, and you still have to, you know, operate your own brand marketing funnels. Like, so they're not really comparison, but I'm just giving you some input. Yeah, but um, that's the difference. That's the difference. Well, also running a Google AdWords campaign is to be effective in this marketplace. And let's just use the food, restaurant, beverage landscape. Yeah. It's very competitive on the Google Ether. You have to spend a lot of recurring money for at least 90 days to have an SEO strategy work. You know, you can't just pay boost an AdWord for three weeks and expect people to find you. That's not how the Google algorithm works. Like yeah. it is what it is. Like what it's, it's a revenue stream. So no wonder it has a 90 day initial tenured phase. Um, there are few out of home platforms like Hulu broad television or radio that will be as effective as hardworking as creative and uh, as low cost as an influencer partnership mm. so, so, you're, you know, so you're, you're you're advising people to advertise on hulu and netflix and stuff like that i'm or, advising or, people to, to work with the hyper local targeted influencer platforms because mm. i think that that harder work will pay off better than an out of home campaign on google which will be far more expensive cast a wider net maybe but a less engaged net, so you know? So, so someone who's like, hey, Tim, we're, we're a restaurant and we need to generate some more local sales, right? You're, they might be thinking, should we be running Facebook ads or doing Google SEO as, like their, as their strategy to boost profits? But you're going to come along and be like, no, I think what we should do is look at which local influencers have the most impact to your demographic, and then we're going to work with some strategy to yeah. create something. Or take, it, or take it one step even further with that like shooting the bird with one stone type situation. I'm also going to pick uh, influencers that are wonderful at producing as their content style, engaging video, because then mm. that video, which we'll pay for, we will run that as a social media ad, as our ah. one ad, or we will pay them to run it as an ad on their feed, which is even broader of an audience to target. You could, you could run it on both feeds. You could, you could run it on the influencer's feed, and then you could run it on the, uh, yeah, the yeah. brand's we'll, feed. We'll add in whatever chunk of change that you would require to run an ad, and we'll pay for the ad itself, and boom, multiple birds, one stone. This is just an example. I'm not, I, I would love my clients to fully buy into all of this that we're talking about. It's always an uphill battle, no matter what. I am the money spend department. So right now, specifically to everyone listening and watching and for our conversation purposes, uh -huh. you just really, you really need to think your shit out and you really need to understand how to squeeze that penny for you and for your clients as best as possible to really capitalize and maximize its efficacy in order to get it done.
Well, what's um, so interesting? What's so interesting is right now we're in a state where everyone is kind of pinching the pennies if they own a business, right? There, where is this best invested? Because people kind of feel like they need to market, but they have to think where is the best place to use those marketing dollars, right? Yeah. And I, I, and w- while I was thinking that blogging influencing might be dead, now you have me thinking it's more crucial than ever for these bloggers and influencers to not be resting on their laurels and for them to be sort of engaging these businesses and being like, hey we can help each other here. Bruce, can I tell you, um, I have been approached by so many more brands in the past few weeks than I have ever been approached for collaborations and whatnot. And maybe it's because I, maybe, I I don't know what it is. Like I'm real time thinking out loud with you, but like, I think, I think a part of me is I reduce the chip on my shoulder about requiring certain fees and my media kit, I will use my media kit as context to make sure I'm taken care of for the actual hard work I'm about to do, because mm-hmm. I'm not just going to take a gig and post on my Instagram. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not what's going to happen. However, um, I am happy to come up with a partnership that is healthy for both me and you, number one. Number two, um, I have interacted with my peers in this agency space and, uh, not everyone is seeing as rosy of a lens as I am uh, in terms of that outlook. And I, I want to encourage those people that are like giving up hope or like feeling confused and lost, like, like reclaim your fucking confidence right now. Like just flip the switch. Um, don't let something that's out of all of our control get you down. You know what I mean? But like just shorten your goal span from a year to like this week. You know, if that's what it's going to take you to reclaim the ownership of today, new normal right now, like, but just do it, get it done. Don't compare yesterday to today at all. And like, try to be, try to be a little bit more open-minded to how we're going to work. Just like I, just like I told, you know, Roman, Roman, I brought to the team now and Shell's kind of new to the team too, as of like this winter, but I'm like, we're a contracting model. So like, as we grow with our, workload we all make more money and as we shrink we all make more but also be prepared y'all like my team that might not have gone through what i went through in the last recession like we're gonna have to be prepared to do the same amount of work um for less money right now like that is how i'm leading this with designing the district like i'm prepared to work harder to make sure that my lifestyle and those around me is not suffering, you know? Like, you, like I, we live in a time where we're now working harder for less because we need to, yeah. it's like we, we have to prove ourselves, but then also to keep in mind that clients don't have that money, but you know, that's the building of relationships because coming out of this yeah. in 2021 or the end of the year or winter, whenever it's like, when their margins are back, when their profits are back and it's, it's, Oh wow. Thank you so much Timor. Thank you so much, Bruce. Thank you so much for bearing with me and sticking by me and not giving up on me because we built a relationship amongst us so that it's, it wasn't like, Oh, you can't pay me my retainer. You can't pay me my fee. It's like, Oh, well, you know, now you hate each other, but it's like you stuck with each other and, and it's a little yeah. better after yeah, all. I think that's spot on with how I look at this current situation. I, I even wrote to a client yesterday, you know, just to like, we're going to shift our retainer to like a full trade for now. I'm okay with that. You know, I would like oh, wow. to eventually, I would like to eventually be paid the residual from our last contract that I did the work, but no rush. Number one. Full and trade meaning I, for free. 
uh, for trade. No, I will. I will get credits to their business to do. Oh, our okay. Work That's what in, you mean. Like, okay. In a okay. in a healthy monetary value, because I mm-hmm. really I work with this specific company because I love them. I love mm-hmm. them. I love everything they do, and they they've like had my back even as a paying VIP customer, and I was paying through the roof until they approached me to work together. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I really appreciate that. And one thing I made sure was like. Trust the process. I have your back and know that I will not leave you hanging. You know, like I will not leave you hanging. I will do my part to make sure you are not gonna, you know, like. I love that. I love that you mentioned that because that, that makes me think of some clients and some recurring monthly contracts I have where now I want to think about that and be like, I should step forward with them and be like, hey, you know, if we can't do this, let's think of how else we can compensate each other, which I think is important for freelancers and people in the creative economy, especially people like us. Sorry. (laughs) Wiley agrees. Wiley agrees. Wiley's like, amen, sis. Amen. (laughs) Um, I agree. And like, honestly, Bruce, like just friend to friend, like I would absolutely encourage you to do that. And I think it, it, from a professional standpoint, it in the like, category of like badassery equity like when you're in front of something and when you're thinking compassionately and empathetically towards those in a business setting which circumvents typical business engagement that speaks volumes of your character and your work acumen and ethic and like you know i'm i'm i got we have i think i have like a client list that's more full than it was before Granted, like revenue wise, like I don't think I was, I were, were making as much as I was when I could handle much more of the workload myself, which meant making more money for me. But you know what? I'm not going to let the quality of work that I put my name behind suffer. And I'm going to invest that money in hiring someone badass like Roman to make us even better. Cause like, you know what? I can live more humbly and invest in making something bigger, better right now and not let this pandemic get in the way. And it's okay that I don't have a jet setting lifestyle and it's okay that I don't go out to dinner all the time. And it's okay that I don't mind this though. I am reinvesting in the gym. Uh, Barry's opens, Barry's opens today. And at 6.45, I'm like first in fucking line. Dude, I'm sorry, man. I cannot go back to the gym. I actually canceled my gym membership because they were like, you gotta wear gloves and a face mask to work out. I was like, if you think I'm gonna bench press, like I'm working in a hospital, you got me all the way messed up. I, and, but look, that's like, you know, stuff we have to, like the best self equity here. For me, um, I have so much energy inside of me. I need intense curated workout guided by someone to mm. let it out. Um, and I tried the DIY thing from home. Sorry, I didn't mean to burp. Um, I tried the DIY thing from home during like OG pandemic days. Yeah, OG. It does not work. It, it does <laughs> It does not work for me. My, I, I do not like how soft my body's become. And like, I hate that feeling too. Yeah. And like, and I'm very happy to have a Peloton, which is giving me something that I missed my flywheel classes. It's given, but it's not the same, you know, you, you know what I've been doing is um, I've been doing, there's like this park up the street that I can do like dips and pull-ups and crunches yeah, and all this stuff. Hill, right? No, no, no. Um, oh. uh, uh, Rock Creek. So if you go up oh, the 16th, the yeah. 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 So, but not only that is that uh, it's a predominantly a Hispanic community, and I've been playing soccer a few times a week. Just pick up soccer games, and I've been loving that. Instead of just like running aimlessly, I've started like playing soccer with them a few times a week, and then doing like the pull-ups and stuff, and then oh my god, so my nose, and then like doing some trail runs, and that's how I've kind of like compensated for everything. I but, love, I love that. 
I love that. Um, Eric and I actually, during this pandemic thing, um, you know, we replanned our whole life. We ended up leaving the city, which is sad because you moved to my neighborhood as I left it. We would have been neighbors. Um, yeah. But we moved, and we moved to your side of town in Virginia. But what, what the part of the plan was like, we just need a little more space right now. And like, this is going to go on for a year or two more, this like, in my opinion. Um, and also that space that we need, we need to be able to be outside doing the things that we like to keep us mm -hmm. healthy. There's a tennis court right across the street, which is also another great exercise. Um, there, the bike path is two blocks away, and so is the waterfront park. Um, we love being on the water. We love being in the water, like kayak, you know, uh, paddle boards, whatever. And we love biking, rollerblading, skateboarding, and playing tennis. So, like, just like to your point, finding that park, that's so amazing. And we found one. We spent a lot of the time during quarantine, actually, oh, taking nice. wild. We took Wiley on walks in other neighborhoods because Eric just moved from Miami and I'm like, oh, this is heartbreaking for me. DC is so amazing in the spring. I want you to get to know it, but the least we can do is get to know the landscape and maybe plan about how we want to grow our relationship, you know, in a different way. Um, so we chose Old Town Alexandria um, to become nice our spot. home. Quirky, charming community, a lot of outdoor space, a lot of outdoor activity to like maybe shift the way we look at our lifestyle and dependency on the gym, you know, mm -hmm. so... So, so taking it back to what we were saying, you said you want to re retire at like 42 or something like that. That's not that far off from you. That's like five or six yep. years, seven years. What's your plan to do that? So it started in uh, two years ago when I was 34. And uh, like, I'll just tell you, I'll try to be quick with this one because I'm a very long-winded storyteller and I love to tell my stories. I like stories. Um, yeah, stories. Um, well, and there, are, there have been other... other uh, recorded streaming media that I have specifically been asked to tell like parts of this story. Okay. But uh, when I was 34, I was in, I was invited by a dear friend who was 27 at the time. Um, he lived in DC and he sort of worked in PR, um, but different. He like spoke on CNN and was a Twitter figure, political stuff, very different from me. Um, but uh, he reached out to me and he was like, hey, Tamor, like after 10 years in DC, I think I'm gonna move back home to Miami um, because I wanna be closer to family. And I just, I think I wanna like grow into my adult self there. Um, I know that uh, Miami is a huge part of your life. I know that you're connected there. And um, on top of it, like, you know, I see what you do with your business and I see what you do in your home. And I would love you to help me design how my life could become that way in my thirties too. And I was like, oh my God, I would love to do that. I would love to work with a younger, younger friend who wants me to help him like groom him to become his thirties and like create a nicer house for him that like reflects his personality and lifestyle through like thoughtful design. Design is what I do from like, that's the initial thing that I ever did before marketing. Um, and also set him up to like, he, he wanted me to help him find a fitness philosophy and sort of acclimate to Miami lifestyle and, and uh, become connected in more professional settings. He's 10 years since college that he was there. So that's what brought me back to Miami two years, two, three years ago, uh -huh. back, back and forth. Um, and I was spending a lot of time there with him, uh, designing his home and coming up with a like best self lifestyle for him. That's actually where I found Barry's Bootcamp. Um, that's what hooked me in is when I hooked him in and it changed my life. And at the same time, something else was going uh, through me. Like this was, I was 34, mid, early mid thirties. And like, 
your body fucking changes y'all like shit changes i was holding on to like my 20s for dear life until 34 and then i'm like my hip my stomach my skin uh, don't remind me that'll be me soon oh my god what's going on and you know i was in the i was in the doctor's office no joke like once a month for like completely unrelated issues and the thing that was recurring was my doctor being like bitch listen to your body like your stomach hurts you're probably putting shit in your stomach that's not good for you you know you can't sleep well what are you doing to make yourself sleep better work out more all this stuff all this stuff yada 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 so finally come the winter uh winter 2018 i think it was uh or 2019 sorry um i was like full-blown listening and sort of marching on this plan that i didn't realize i was on which would become my road to 40 and during this is when I decided to like change my diet. So like cut out dairy, cut out uh, fried things, cut out like simple refined flour things like, you know, pizza, pasta, pasta and cut out bread. Yeah. Cut out alcohol. Cause that Oof. was one big thing that was getting in my way of being my best efficient self. Um, and then a part of that was also road mapping my road to 40. I was approaching 35th birthday, 35th birthday, which happened to be, in retrospect, um, something when I was 24, 23, and I was like living my best uh, snowbird life, like trying to hustle my way, like who can pay for me to be in Miami every winter? And I figured it out, you know? I was throwing parties at <laughs> nightclubs and lounges down there that were up here in DC too, like what a life. brand marketing for them. Um, but like I told myself back then, I'm like, oh, what a goal it would be to have my own home by 35. And then I was like, wait, shit, like I am living in Miami this whole winter right now, designing a home uh, and a lifestyle for someone who ended up working. He met the man of his dreams and they're now engaged literally like two months into our process of me like evolving him. So I was designing his apartment and living in it I, myself. He was living at, at his partner's apartment. <laughs> so I'm like, and then on top of it, like, you know, like tweaking my lifestyle and like just slaying the like work, work, work. And I was like, and I'm getting more clients in Miami. I'm like, holy shit, like I can get my own place in Miami and grow my business there. And the cards, the cards that I was dealt or I'm playing really did align with this goal I had from 10 years previous. Mm -hmm. So um, that was something that like really like validated uh, my ability to plan and strategize and, uh, understand especially going through the last recession that the, you know set your sails to the universe because you can't control it be prepared for things be prepared you know the uh, ironic thing about this year is that like i've been preparing for an epic collapse ever since the last collapse and like oh, like, like, like you're, it's, it's like in the back of your mind like it, it's gonna happen we don't know when because for a long time things were smooth things were perfect and i guess it finally happened but so so what, like, what crazy moves are you going to make so that in five or six years, you're going to be like, kicking so, back? so let me, let me tell you what we've already started doing. Like, because I, the, the biggest thing, the most special thing I got out of uh, my Miami experience, yeah. which, you know, I do miss it very much and it will always be there forever. But I met my, my partner, Eric. Oh, what's up? <laughs> um, and, you know, like finding, finding something that was unplanned, but uh, an unspoken, innate, very important component of like fulfilling this version of my best self. Um, 
also recalibrated the plan, but uh, you know, like I was fully prepared to like not have a partner in my life um, wow. because that's also something on it. You know, you can't really plan for it, but what you can do is represent your best version of your best self and be confident if you believe in universal energy that that will attract what you want, what you desire, what you deserve, or, or like in, in uh, uh, being your name? best self, you attract what you, what like it's, is your equal it's science, or your match? Newton's law, you know, like action reaction. So like mm. invest in yourself, take care of yourself, take you seriously plan, like, like set the intention, build a beautiful tomorrow, even in a shitty today, if that's your outlook. Wait, can, I, can I ask a random question? Cause I need, I yeah. need some, did you guys meet on a dating app? No, we didn't. Oh, thank I God. Didn't. Thank God. That, that gives no, me hope. You give wait, me hope. You want to hear it? You want to hear it? So, uh, so Eric and I were neighbors on the same floor in our building in Miami. And uh, we met each other. We met each other passing in the hallway. Like he moved in a week after I did to my own apartment. I was already there seven months before uh, designing Steven's home. I like saw him in the hallway, did a little looky look, got on, got on the apps like immediately. And I was like, this bitch isn't on the apps. Like, what the fuck? So, like, I was like, okay, he must be, like, European or straight or, like, this, like, Latin guy that's from, like, visiting and he just seems gay to me. And I'm like, shit, that sucks. Um, but so months go by and I'm like, I'm, like, living that lifestyle where I'm like, I'm not going to work hard to attract the men. Like, the men that I want will come to me and, like, sure, like, you know, those things on the apps, whatever, yada, yada. But, like, we were crossing paths at the pool all the time. And, like, I was in no place to be the one to say hi. And, like, if someone wants my attention, they got to get it. You know what I mean? Jesus. So bougie. Okay. Well, well, I was, like, living that life, you know? Like, I was working hard. I was jet-setting back and forth. Like, I ain't got time to, like, spend towards that. Mm. Someone else needs to, Mm. like, hook the fish, you know? Finally. He hooked you? finally one day like six months after we met we you know we finally crossed paths at the pool and like i got over my ego and he maybe i don't know if he had an ego but the same day our like energies align where we both were like today's the day we're gonna say hi to each other you know and uh and it was like very saucy first interaction um saucy you mean saucy Oh my God. Well, you know, I, I just, I know how to play my cards well when it comes to like, like I know how to get that big fish to think they're hooking me when really like I got you, you know what I mean? So I'm and ever since, you know, we, we had our Melrose place moment and we've pretty much been inseparable minus the, like, you know, I lived two weeks there, two weeks here for many months until Corona. Um, and then Eric moved up here. Like basically the conversation was, uh, he he was the plan at New Year's was for him to actively start getting work up here to move come springtime because mm-hmm. I was like Eric like my I snowbird so you're gonna I'm here all winter obviously this is great for us but come early April I'm done like that's launch season in DC and I gotta be in March working on my client building back up my client roster in DC like I can't just be focusing on this snowbird life you know. Um, so the plan was already in motion and then, uh, he was, uh, coming up here as a plan for March vetting job offers and without fully accepting because they kind of got suspended as like Corona for the rest of the world. Even though in January I was like, y'all, this is a problem. Get your masks, like figure your shit out. That was also part of our discussion. I'm like, I'm not going to be traveling that much because this is scaring me. And everyone thought I was crazy. I was like, mm, not crazy. I was prepared, um, you know, but 
he he put in his time at his at his previous job like he was like okay i'm done and uh then like shit shut down even before he could finish his two weeks and i was like babe get out of there before they don't let you i'm not gonna go through this i'm not gonna go through this without you by my side so like as part of our the plan shifted the reasoning but it was on line with our timeline you know like it worked out perfectly like now you get to spend this time together see if it really works out honestly man i'm just so glad you gave me hope that it wasn't i guess for you grinder or tinder or whatever it is because i feel like i've been on these dating apps and every time i meet these people i'm just not impressed yeah no it's just so disappointing well honestly like we're both we both we were born he was he was 83 i was 84 and we um were groomed by our elders to like cruise and like go to the artsy cafes and like a gay aisle at Barnes and Noble and like the club, you know what I mean? And then it was after we were already having like, you know, good sex and like dating our first loves that like these apps came up, you know? Mm -hmm. So like we were doing, I I was doing like AOL chat rooms and like day.com chat rooms back in the nineties and stuff. Like that was like a thing. And like we would meet up at like, you know, places, but it wasn't embraced. And like, I don't think you were like old and old enough at this time. Um, Probably wasn't. But like, well, but people were, the straight community was really not into it. They were like judgmental of this like online thing for a very long time. Well, cause, yeah, because uh, the gay community had an online dating app way before the straight community ever did. Because we're smaller and we have limited environments to meet each other and not everyone is in a city where gay and people live. Playboy. Oh my God. Tired. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> bye, Eric. Love you. Um, so, you know, like this was a huge benefit for us because it connected us worldwide mm-hmm. um smaller smaller demographic minority with like limited abilities to be public about our sexual orientation and expression you know what i mean so like it was a good fit for us um however like i'm an i'm an i throw events for a living i love people i love interacting with people i love technology because like look you and i are hanging out and we're like you know like you're well, literally at face level with me and I love it. Well, so, well stuff, stuff like zoom. I mean, like you said, embracing it, this is how I've embraced my new podcast is because I can't meet with people anymore. I, I, no one wants to meet face to face, but also I realized that that was also a, um, a stick in my wheel because for me to grow something, I need to talk to people with more influence and more audiences and through zoom, not only can I do that, but if I'm talking to like other artists who, who have like visual artwork, I can pull it up on the screen or pull up a video. And it's so nice to have that reference. So I, I kind of enjoy it more. But um, yeah, totally. But Tim, I, I think we should, we should probably start wrapping up a little bit here because we're going on uh, almost two hours. But um, I love it. But we had I'm just looking. We have till 1300 on our calendar, which nice. I love. Um, also, like I'm. I'm very much not opposed to in-person gathering with the right amount of appropriate, you know, courtesy towards each other with mask um, Uh. outside at a distance or like, you know, at a public uh, dining environment. Um, But I'm, I'm just being hyper cognizant of everyone's unique experience, which is right for this pandemic. There is Mm. no wrong at all with how people are feeling and how they want to approach this um and if that's something that you're like fully you know you said you're playing soccer so obviously you're seeing people outside you know what i mean we, and you're we ain't wearing masks 
Yeah, you're sweating and panting. And like, you know, my, my mom who's doing this differently, she's like really not seeing anyone unless yeah, they have people are hardcore. Anyone. And at first I was taking it really personal. And then I'm like, you know what? No, like everyone really can do their own thing and I'm not going to take it personal. Um, and the same with like the my colleagues and like the engagements that I've done with friends. These few people, if I'm just saying this because like many of my friends on social media have been dragged through the mud. Like you're an influencer. You should be leading by example. Well, we are. We're leading by our own comfort example. And the people we're hanging out with are the people we have been hanging out with this whole time and are also not hanging out with other people. You know what I mean? Like, and when we are hanging out, it's not like we're like, uh, uh, you know what I mean? On what do you mean? That's how I hang out with my friends. We're just breathing in each other's mouths. Just sort of like, stop, bro. Oh my God. I, I don't be, I hated people like that before the pandemic. Like, remember that Seinfeld episode with the close talker? Like, Oh my God. I just couldn't deal with her. And then like, the close talkers. Oh my God. That's not even a thing. Like you can't even like hug or like dap people up anymore. It's so weird. Like the way we now greet people is, is so has changed entirely too. And it's, everyone's different, you know, and you gotta be okay with that. And like, if you make a slip against your guidelines, so what? Like wear your fucking mask, give each other a pat. You know what I mean? Wash your goddamn hands often. Carry mm. hand sanitizer with you. Don't touch your face. You know, clean your shit. Clean your phone case. Like, Wait, don't people do that. People clean their phones. Is that a thing? Yes, the same thing before Corona. I'd, I'd be scared to look at how many germs are actually on this phone. I mean, you bring your phone into the bathroom. I'm pretty sure of it. And one thing oh. men don't, one thing men don't do, which is a huge pet peeve of mine. There's a lid on the toilet for a reason, close it to flush because the shit doesn't fly everywhere. Like literally. Wait, are you when saying you that when you flush, poop particles go flying out? Yes. Like everywhere in the bathroom. That's so, scary. Like, sit on that. What do you mean? I, just like, I like to watch it go down, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny. Like, kidding, boom, like a boomerang. Also, can I just, can I just, can I tell you that this uh, notification that came down for the past past five minutes that or like 20 minutes that I'm not swiping up. It's so funny. It's from the futurist, which is like a news publication I subscribe to. And the subject line is this government agency wants you to use glory holes. What? <laughs> I mean, that seems like a pretty clean way to, to get what everyone wants. It's sanitized. Oh my God. I don't even know what that is about, but it's so funny. And it's like, you know what? It's just keeping me smiling. I'm not going to swipe up on this one. Well, Tim, I'm not going to lie. I think we should wrap here. I am personally sweating my ass off because to do these interviews, I have to turn off my AC and my fan. Oh, no. Yeah. And and I live on the top floor of my apartment building, and it is a sauna, like, when the AC is not on. So I I just want to say, Timur, it's been amazing chatting with you, dude. You are so smart, and uh, the business you're running is so on top of it, man. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks for reaching out to me. I love hanging out with you. And I'm happy to share my wisdom, the Oracle, you know, as often as, as often as you need. Dude, you've got lots of it, man. And I'll be sure to link your IG and everything in the YouTube description below. So if anyone wants to see that and connect with you, they can do it there. Awesome. And I will do the same for you. And I will shout this out to the, to the masses. To the masses. Yes. Can't wait to put it out. All right, guys. Well, that's it. That's the angle. Peace out.